0: Welcome back, Basement Binge listeners, you patient Basement Binge listeners. I appreciate your patience getting this episode out to you, because what this episode is, is finally the November-December of 2020 monthly update, the last monthly update of the year. This was something that started this year, that Really turned into something else this year, especially with this episode. There is a lot to go over this episode. There's a lot to talk about. I appreciate your guys' patience with me, especially with all the long hours I've been working. I haven't been able to put out the episodes that I've wanted to. And you guys have been here supporting the whole way. So this episode is very, very late. It's already halfway into the month of December, but it's here and there's a lot to unpack. It's not going to be. The normal format so first i just quickly want to address it was forever ago that i put out that service for you guys to take it is finally time for me to be able to act on it so there's going to be more on that later don't worry i did not forget about that also this is going to be a long episode that goes over a bunch of things and not all of it will interest you we're going to talk about the warner brothers and hbo max deal that i'm sure you've heard about the Disney's investors meeting and all the announcements for Disney Plus and everything happening there, in addition to just some announcements about the basement binge and then other things just happening in the film world. So if there is any of that that you don't want to listen to, you can look in the show notes, there's timestamps, so you can jump to whatever time you want and listen to. On top of that, in the description, there's going to be lots of links, especially for the first section about Warner Brothers and HBO Max. So that's what we're going to start with here, the monthly update. It's not going to be typical format. It's going to be very different, as this month has been <laughs> kind of different, like the rest of the year. So, let's start with Warner Brothers and HBO Max. On December 3rd of this year, Warner Media announced that their entire year of 2021, for the entire year of 2021, all of their films will be released day and date in theaters and on HBO Max simultaneously. So, what that means is that the day that the movie is released in theaters... It is also going to be released on HBO Max at no additional cost to subscribers. Again, the link, the official announcement is in the show notes. I don't want to have to say that over and over again. So you will see it broken down. I'll just have a little snippet, of like, Warner Like WarnerMedia official announcement, you'll see the link. I'm going to have that for everything I'm about to talk about. But the, the details of it, in essence, is what you need to know, is that for 2021, the entire year, all of their films that are going to be released will be released in theaters the same day they'll be available on HBO Max at no additional cost to subscribers, available for 31 days where then they will be taken off HBO Max and remain in theaters for the rest of their three theatrical window. However the heck, that's going to work out for 2021. So this is just kind of the official statement here that I'll read. This is from Anne Sarnoff, who's the Warner Brothers CEO and chair. She said, we are living in an unprecedented times which call for creative solutions, including this new initiative from Warner Brothers Pictures Group. No one wants films back on the big screen more than we do. We know new content is the lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but we have have to balance this with the reality that most theaters in the U.S. will likely operate at reduced capacity through 2021. With this unique one-year plan, we can support our patterns and exhibition with a steady pipeline of world-class films, which also gives moviegoers who may not have access to theaters and aren't quite ready to go back to the movies the chance to see our amazing 2021 films. We see it as a win-win for films lovers and exit exhibitors and we're extremely grateful to our filmmaking partners for working with us on this innovation innovative response to these circumstances. Interesting choice of words. Uh, end quote. Interesting choice of words having prepared this episode now and all the things that you're going to hear having, you know, now rereading that with the response this announcement has got. But we'll move on to the next part of the announcement from Jason Killer who's the Warner Media CEO. So he's like the CEO of all of, of Warner Media. And he said, "After considering all available all available options in the projected state of movie going throughout 2021, we came to the conclusion that this is this was the best way for WarnerMedia's motion pictures business to navigate the next 12 months. More importantly, we're planning to bring consumers 17 remarkable movies throughout the year, giving them the choice and the power to decide how they want to enjoy these films. Our content is extremely valuable, unless it's sitting on a shelf not being seen by anyone. We believe this approach serves our fans." supports exhibitors and filmmakers, and enhances the HBO Max experience, creating value for all. Lastly, Toby Emmerich, which is the chairman of Warner Brothers Picture Group, he said, This hybrid exhibition model enables us to best support our films, creative partners, and moving going in general throughout 2021. We have a fantastic, wide-ranging slate of titles from talented, and Visionary Filmmakers next year, and we're excited to be able to get these movies in front of audiences around the world. And as always, we'll support all of our releases with innovative and robust marketing campaigns for their theatrical debuts, while highlighting this unique opportunity to our films domestically via HBO Max as well. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there, but I'm sure you've been reading the articles if this is something you've heard about. If not, I'm going to keep it simple for you. The premise of it is that 17 films for the year of 2021 are going to be released again simultaneously on HBO Max as they are in theaters that are going to be available on HBO Max in 4K Ultra HD HDR, which is nice. These are the films that are going to be released, all 17 of them. The first is going to be Little Things, which is a Den- Denzel Washington crime thriller. That's coming out January 29th. Judas and the Black Messiah, which is a Shaka King true story drama. That's in early 2021 sometime. Tom and Jerry, live action animated family film. That just bumped got bumped up to February 26th of 2021. The Many Saints of Newark, a prequel to HBO's The Sopranos, comes out March 12th. Reminiscence, which is a sci-fi romantic thriller with Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson. Sounds pretty exciting. To be determined in 2021. It was changed. It used to be early 2021 sometime. I don't remember the exact date, but now it's to be determined. Godzilla vs. Kong, May 21st. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the third film in the Conjuring franchise, June 4th. In the Heights, based on the Broadway hit by Lin-Manuel Miranda... June eighteenth. Space Jam, a new legacy, which is the Space Jam which is the sequel to Space Jam with LeBron James. That's July sixteenth. Suicide Suisquides- Wow. Let me try that again. Suicide Squad, which is directed by James Gunn, is coming out August sixth. Dune, which I'm extremely excited about, which is Denis Villeneuve's latest sci-fi epic, that could have been one of the biggest films of the decade. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but that's coming out October first. King Richard, which is a Will Smith true story drama, is November nineteenth. The Matrix Four, which is the long-awaited Matrix Four, which is the long-awaited sequel, is coming out December twenty-second. Mortal Kombat, which is the newest adaptation adaptation of the game, which was previously to be announced, and I think is actually an unfinished film, It now has a release date of April sixteenth. Um, Malignant, which is a James Wan horror film, is to be announced. Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is a thrill with Angelina Jolie and Nicholas Holt, that's also to be announced. And Crime Macho, which is a Clint Eastwood thriller, is also to be announced. So 17 films, a pretty good lineup. I mean, these films, there's a lot that I didn't know about that, having prepared this, I found out were being released. You know, HBO Max deal or not, I just had no idea about them. Um, There's a lot that I genuinely am really excited about. But it's been a very... Big deal, the announcement that they made that all this is going to be available to subscribers on, to HBO Max the same day. That's just unheard of. And since the announcement, there has been tons of backlash against Warner Media and AT&T from directors and stars, even studios and Directors Guild. They're all getting involved. They're not very happy about this deal. So I'm going to present... There's... I don't want to sound like I'm I'm taking a stance on this because I'm still kind of developing my own ideas for it, but I just want to present what's been said and what's happening around this. In essence, the biggest reason that people aren't happy is because of how it happened. There's a lot, and the argument has kind of focused on the idea of a theatrical release versus an at-home experience and how filmmakers and directors don't, specifically Christopher Nolan, aren't a fan of watching films at home, but... If you really listen to the commentary, the biggest concern happens to be with money, as all things are money and projects, meaning the success of the existing project that's being worked on and future projects that can be made based off the success. It's to use one of the terms that Christopher Nolan said, it's a real bait and switch, because if you don't know, the way that filmmaking works is that the studios, in this case, let's say, Warner Brothers, is the one who pays for the film. So they're the one who gives all the money to whomever. And it's organized from the key producers to the directors, key stars you have, to the extras, to the mic grip, to the, you know, the person who drives a golf cart, you know, like the the most unnoticed member of that set. They're all being paid by the money that, that Warner Media company or Disney or whoever the studio is fronts. They pay for the expense for the film to be made, and then it's, they're waiting to make money off of that film. So Warner Media has their own right to consider how they want to make money and, and have, a, have a return investment off the money that they've, billions of dollars that they've spent on these films. So I understand where they're coming from want to make money. But it also means that a lot of actors, directors, and people involved, you know, even the person driving the golf cart, are impacted how the film performs at the box office. There's kind of two checks. There's a first check, you know, the upfront cost to be involved in the making of the film. The second is the bonus, if you want to call it, based off how well the film performs at the box office. Obviously, the COVID pandemic has changed that entirely, but how does that happen when it's streaming on HBO Max? I mean, if. COVID pandemic wasn't already making it difficult to go to the movies. Now you have even one less reason to maybe go out and see a movie. And so, so the, a lot of people have questions about how this is going to affect their jobs, their income. And one of the worst things and one of the biggest problems I have with Warner Media is how they decided to handle this. They told many individuals, those that they did tell, 90 minutes before this went out to press, before you and me heard about it. All the people, the key talent who made these things, who care about them, who, whose financial success is, is largely determined by them, they told 90 minutes before it was happening. There was no agreement. There was no collaboration. It was what we made the decision as executives. Here's what's happening. You're finding out pretty much the same time as everyone else. They just didn't handle it really well. They didn't work with people. And it, it's sad to see. A lot of people are upset, naturally. One of the first two responses was, of course, AMC, which is one of the biggest theater chains. And they've not been in good shape, if you didn't know. They just made a statement that by January, they're going to run out of money. And even before that statement, months ago, they were saying how they were bankrupt. And they're not doing great. Not many theater... Not many. No theater is doing great through the pandemic. For obvious reasons, it's a difficult time. People aren't going to the movies. I'm going, but I'm going significantly less frequently than I am. Let me say, when I do go, I feel extremely safe. Megaplex, if you have either of those available in your area, they are both doing a phenomenal job making me feel safe the few times I have been able to go to the movie. That aside, AMC is not in good shape. And since this announcement, it seems that they're even in even worse shape. And the AMC CEO, Adam Aaron, made a pretty bold statement. He said, clearly, WarnerMedia intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability of its movie studio division and that of its production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO Max startup. We will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our business. We are already commenced an immediate and urgent dialogue with the leadership of Warner on this project. For years, there's been a partnership between movie theater chains and theaters. That's a mutual relationship that they both share and they both need one another. This was like a shot in the back to AMC, who's already in rough position. So that obviously. They're obviously trying to work something out with Warner Media, and, like they said, urgent dialogue. After that, one of the next things I heard was Legendary Entertainment, which if you don't know, Legendary Entertainment is another one of those studios that helps pay for the films. They have worked with Warner Bros. many times, specifically on Christopher Nolan films. They're the ones that kind of have that circular, squared, waffle local. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. Um, Just pay attention to the logos that happened before the film. If you see a Legendary logo, it's, again, with a lot of Christopher Nolan films, a lot of Warner Brothers films. They've worked with them consistently. Now, Legendary themselves haven't made an official statement, but sources close to them have talked about how they were not involved in this decision. And they are willing to take legal action against Warner Brothers if needed, but at first originally started just work out some some. Type of deal. Now, this matters a lot, especially for Legendary. Legendary helped finance a lot of these movies, two of the really big movies, Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong, to be specific. And with both of those, they gave up like 75% of the cost for both Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong. So they're paying more than half of the price of this film and were not involved in the decision of suddenly sending it to HBO Max which was already a tough subject because I think it was also Godzilla versus Kong. The legendary was in discussion with Netflix for Netflix to buy that film for like $250 million, which is like 110 million more than what they made it for, which is a lot, especially during the pandemic and Warner brothers having the ability just neck exit. And, and that was already frustrating. And legendary. And Especially in these situations like Godzilla versus Kong, where it's part of a big franchise, the success of that particular film means a lot for future money-making as well. I mean, there's a lot... I should have said this at the beginning. There's a lot of bigger problems besides the money of Hollywood going on right now in the year 2020. But with this specific thing, there's a lot of people that their livelihood and their income is being significantly altered by some executives wanting to kind of pander to their own things which we'll get to in a second, but I feel so bad for Legendary, especially with Dune is even a big ride. Dune could have been one of the biggest films, including financially, of the decade, and the decade's really just starting. Dune is a huge property. It's based off six books. It's a love series. The movie is supposed to be the first of two parts of the first book. That's a lot of films, and it was supposed to start a spinoff series for HBO Max, but yeah, I won't get into that. It's not just the immediate profitability of this film, but all the money that can be made after, based off this film's success. And they weren't told about it, they just... Warner Brothers just decided they were going to make the plan without Legendary, and that I'm not even involved, and I'm just bothered by that. I just don't think that that's... Cooperation that anybody wants, and it's sad to see that. Other comments: Christopher Nolan has been one of the biggest topics because, sadly for him, he is doing some promotion right now for *Tenant* being released at home. It's being released digitally and um, on Blu-ray on the fifteenth, which is in what, tomorrow when you guys are when this episode is going up. So he, in his promotion of that being released, has been caught up in being asked about Warner Brothers, because he's kind of Warner Brothers' golden boy. He's worked with them way back since the following in early 2000s. I think of all the films that people know him for, I think there's two that weren't produced with Warner Brothers. So, yeah, he's Warner Brothers' golden boy. And he worked with Warner Brothers to have Tenet released in theaters during the pandemic, and there's a lot of interesting commentary that him, him, that Christopher Nolan has had about that experience but in interviews people are always asking what do you think about this decision and this one article on entertainment tonight was really just like a gut reaction because it was like the day after the announcement i feel so bad for him that was clearly not the plan of the interview but how could you not ask him when you have an opportunity to um and this i'll just give you part of it he said Oh, I mean disbelief, especially in the way in which they did it. There's such controversy around it because they didn't tell anyone. In 2021, they've got some of the top filmmakers in the world. They've got some of the biggest stars in the world who worked for years in some cases on these projects very close to their hearts that are meant to be big screen experiences. They're meant to be out there for the widest possible audience. And now they're being used as a loss leader for the streaming service, for the fledging streaming service without any consultation. So there's a lot of controversy. It's very, 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 very messy. A real bait and switch yeah, it's sort of not how you treat filmmakers and stars and people who these guys have given a lot for these projects. They deserve to be consulted and spoken to about who was going, about what was going to happen to their work. And then later he said people love going to the movies and they're going to get to go again. And it's important to realize that that's kind of his gut reaction. Of course there's some commentary about at home versus the experience because that's just Christopher Nolan being on brand. But he's really commenting about the bigger problem that these stars, these filmmakers were not involved. And that, and that the decision isn't just, Hey, we're going to release these at home. We're going to forego the theater experience. We're going to release them on demand for $30 or something like that. No, we are going to use these to grow HBO max. It's like he said, they're being used as a loss leader for a brand new streaming service that hasn't done well since launch. We're going to get to that in a minute, but it's, it's bothersome when these people are not involved about their work that they're putting in, and then it's being used for kind of some self-pandering and for something that, I'm searching for the right word, it just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. And in a different statement, um, one of the best reads on The Hollywood Reporter He says, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. Now, the words worst streaming service have been twisted all over the internet. What he means by that is up to your interpretation. But Warner Brothers has had a reputation as being one of the greatest studios, one of the most filmmaker-focused studios around. They've worked hard to develop a reputation with this talent that they are a studio you want to work with. And now they're not. But I recommend reading that. That's specifically the Hollywood Reporter one. I'll put that in the show notes, of course. And then one of the best podcast interviews I've heard with Christopher Nolan ever. Not just... Like, it's like five minutes at the end of the podcast. It's like almost an hour podcast. And just the five minutes at the end are at HBO Max. The whole thing's really about just Christopher Nolan being interviewed. And normally these interviewers have a hard time keeping up with him. And this podcaster interviewer does not. It's a new podcast that I'm loving. I'm... It's such a great interview with Christopher Nolan. I, the whole thing's fascinating. But at the end, he's kind of asked about the whole thing. And you can see that his response is a little more controlled. He's had a more chance to kind of tone down his shock, which is natural. I mean, he just he was finding out about this finding out about this the same time we were. He was just as shocked as Alzheimer, and he's way more involved. He's way more indoctrinated in it than we are, than I am by any means. And of course he's shocked. I don't know. I I can't imagine waking up and on the news being told by a news outlet on an article that the way that my work and my income is being totally changed and I was not told about it. That's, that's a big deal. So obviously he was a little shocked in a different interview on NPR. uh, Oh, excuse me. I forgot. Let me go back to that podcast. The great one I was talking about. Um, He, he really says something great because I personally am sick of hearing how movie going to the theater is dying. It's not, I don't think it is. Obviously, the COVID-19 has totally changed that. But he says something interesting. He also claims that it's not dying, that movie going isn't dying. He says, 2019 was the biggest year for movies in box office terms. We have a very healthy moviegoing culture, and it's true. It's, it's a great podcast to listen to, whether you're interested in this HBO Max thing or not. It's, it's fascinating to hear Christopher Nolan's idea about story and filmmaking, and he's a very intelligent individual. But it's true. 2019 in box office terms was huge and if there's films that excite people to go to the theater they're going to go they're going to go to the point where it becomes the highest grossing box office film of all time we know what we're talking about avengers endgame if there's something that people are looking forward to they're going to show up and they're going to perform you know those box office numbers didn't happen because of disney plus they didn't happen because of hbo max so yes we do have a very healthy movie going culture and i want to add to that being locked in for so long when it is safe and when it is normal to go back to the movie theaters people are going to want to go because they haven't been able to and if the films are right which they are you know even just these warner brothers films the films i want to go to the theater so badly for these films the opportunity is right and the movie going culture is healthy and i think it's going to be even healthier but the problem and what's getting in the way is the pandemic. And that's really the big thing here. If you're also just interested in some other things about Christopher Nolan, he appeared on NPR um, and he really took a t- step back from his shock and talks in a very great way. All linked out as the NPR thing. And also just a Washington Post, you know, kind of an opinion about why Christopher Nolan is right and the relationship that H.M.O. Max has with that. Both very good reads. But moving on to other directors, because we can kind of long here and we have, we're only on the first thing here, Patty Jenkins, who's the director of Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984. She, sadly, is kind of the one who started this, and I feel so bad for her. She wanted, in the interviews that I've been reading and watching, she worked with Warner Brothers closely. This was a collaboration. This wasn't something... Let me back up. Before the announcement to release all the 2021 films, there was an announcement that Wonder Woman was going to be released on Christmas Day, in theaters, and on HBO Max at no additional cost. That was a decision made with Patty Jenkins and Warner Brothers, and it was a collaborative, mutual effort and agreement. And Patty, who's the director of it, she wanted to do something special. She, like Christopher Nolan, is a huge supporter of the theater experience. If I remember right, Wonder Woman was finished in 2019, and then it got pushed into 2020, and then it got pushed into March. And then the pandemic hit. And shutdowns happened and it got pushed into July and then August and then all the way into December. Clearly, she was hoping to have a traditional theatrical release because she cares about it. And I even remember going to some film. I don't even remember what it was. And they were using Wonder Woman, like the trailer, as propaganda to go to the theater. Which is weird because they were doing it to the individual sorry, theater. Anyway, it it's a film that was kind of a part of the defense for the theater experience and how that's better than video on demand or whatever well she wanted to do something special for the holiday season it's been a tough year for all of us she wanted to be able to share there's a great interview where she calls it a gift it's on gizmodo that is of course linked where she just really talks about how she wanted to do something special it was a unique moment for her in a tough year at the holiday season to share something she cares about and it's just sad to me that Warner Brother took something that she started with incredibly good intentions and kind of twisted it for their own benefit. It's just sad. I feel so bad for her. But since that announcement, she's kind of gone back into being a strong defender for the theater experience and working with a studio who cares about that. And she's never straight up disrespected. I don't want to say disrespected. She's never straight up mentioned Warner Brothers or anything like that. She's very careful with her words. And I think part of that is a financial agreement because I know she's receiving a bonus because of the HBO Max deal and all that, but you can tell that she's bothered by it. Um, Jude Apatow, who's another director, he mentioned it. the move was extremely disrespectful. There's the Director's Guild that has mentioned that it's a horrible decision. Just a lot of individuals are talking about it. One of the most important ones that I read was Denis Villeneuve, who is director of Dune, and he wrote a post for Ar- Variety, which of course is listed, and I'm just going to give you like, two, Three paragraphs from it. You should read the whole thing. But this is what he said. He said, Streaming services are a positive and powerful addition to the movie and TV ecosystem. But I want the audience to understand that streaming alone can sustain the film industry as we know it before COVID. Streaming can produce great content, but not movies of Dune's scope and scale. Warner Bros. decisions means Dune won't have the chance to perform financially in order to be viable and piracy will ultimately triumph. Warner Bros. might just have killed the Dune franchise. Public safety comes first. Nobody argues with that. Which is why when it became apparent that winter would bring a second wave of the pandemic, I understood and supported the decision to delay Dune's opening by almost a year. The plan was that Dune would open in theaters in October 2021, when vaccinations will be advanced and hopefully the virus behind us. Science tells us that everything should be back to to a new normal next fall. Dune is by far the best movie I've ever made. My team and I devoted more than three years of our lives to make it a unique big screen experience. Our movie's image and sound were meticulously designed to be seen in theaters. I feel so bad for him. I love the books of Dune. I am extremely excited for that film. I love Denis Villeneuve's work as a director. Before I even knew who he was, I loved his work. And then I realized that they were all the same thing and my mind exploded and it was a great day because I realized that all these things I love were connected to one extremely talented individual. And then I found out that he was adapting Dune and all the people involved and I had a heyday. And then the trailer came out and it was like the best day ever. I still remember that. I want, he wants that film to thrive. He wants it to succeed. He has put in, so much work. He cares about it so personally. Maybe there's a financial aspect of this, but he doesn't seem too worried about that. He loves Dune. He has forever. Longer than I have. Longer than I've been alive. And he, as a talented filmmaker he is, wants to make a project that allows Dune to thrive in the way that it should. And it's sad. Of course, there's going to be a lot of water under the bridge between now and Dune's release. Things can change. But right now, Warner Brothers has said that the agreement Is for 2021, the entire year. Now HBO Max is going to have to pay licensing fee to Warner Brothers, and that fee is going to somehow relate to the box office. I don't know. It's a huge mess. So many questions that I don't understand how there's going to be answers to. I do hope that Dune is able to survive because clearly Warner Brothers does as well. They greenlit the original movie. They were gonna, based off the film success, green light the second part, and the it was going to be the start of that HBO Max series. Clearly, they wanted to do well. They've invested a lot in it, no doubt. S- from what I'm learning now, it sounds like Legendary was the ones that invested in more. And it's just sad that something that seriously has been compared to what could be the Lord of the Rings of our time is being just destroyed by this mess. I'm, and all the st- not all the stars, a lot of the stars involved in the project are supporting as well. Josh Brolin shared this article on his Instagram saying, long live the theater experience. Important article by Denny director of Dune. Jason Momoa reposted Josh Brolin's on his own Instagram. Timothy Chalamet, who was on SNL, wore a legendary like legendary studios sweater with their logo on it. That is not <laughs> that it wasn't a mistake. They are clearly in support of Dune succeeding in being in the theater. And I know Denis, he wants that experience to be huge. And I remember when I went and saw the trailer, then it was in theaters. I knew that that was an experience that should not happen anywhere else but in a theater, in a dark room with strangers who love the same thing that we're watching. There's no other way that that should be experienced and maybe that's just my personal love for Dune but I know the scope of what it can be and he's right. Streaming services don't have the ability to produce that same thing. It's just the way they work and the finances of it. So I hope that they find a way to maybe me in the middle, because there is a total other side of this army. That again, like Danny mentioned, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Movie going is weird, w- and wave, like I'm not trying to make a statement of like safety. You know, all the all the confusion, all the divisiveness around COVID and the pandemic. I'm just saying. There is a fact that movie theaters are shut down. The major markets, California, New York, other places in the US, those big cities, they are shut down. International movie going is very healthy right now. Christopher Nolan talks about that all the time with Dennett. You see that with other films. There's a film in Japan, I think it's called Monster Slayer, that's about to break the box office record in Japan that Spirit Away previously holds. Like that, that's a huge deal. To quote Christopher Nolan, where they were able to release the film, where it was safe, where the virus had been handed well, people were excited to go back to the theaters and they wanted to. So when is that going to happen in the U.S.? I don't know. But it's currently not. People are anxious to see these movies. And when the news first broke, one of my good friends, Matt, who's actually, I'm on his podcast, he's on here, he told me and his initial reaction was excitement. Rightfully so. Like, I'm not saying that anybody's reacting in the wrong way. I was excited with the announcement because the films just weren't going to be delayed anymore. And woohoo, like, we're, the films are going to be released. I assumed in, you know, good fortune to Warner Brothers that they had done it properly. That they had worked with these individuals with this announcement. That it was something that was done the right way. there wasn't a stab in the back. Since learning this, I feel a lot more hurt by it. And I'm not even involved. I just care about these filmmakers and these, this, these artistic, talented people being treated the way that their value should be treated. It's interesting. I don't think that Hollywood talent is against streaming. But leaving them left out created so many questions and created a huge backlash. Their money is a big deal to them it's their job after all. And not just the stars, not the A-list stars and all the people you know, but the dude holding the boom mic or the woman holding the boom mic or the person cleaning up the set after everybody's gone or the person driving the golf cart. Those people make a living off this Hollywood machine. It provides billions of jobs, billions of dollars of worth of income to individuals who rely on it. And Warner Brothers not working with these people who are able to ensure that that happens properly just feels selfish because Warner Brothers and HBO are owned by the same company, AT&T, which is currently in debt. Millions of dollars of debt. And they launched an HBO... they, They launched a streaming service. HBO Max. It's not doing too great, just for comparison. As of right now, Disney+. Plus. Which is doing pretty good, eighty six million subscribers. Netflix, you know, we all know Netflix; they're trumping everybody. One hundred and ninety five point two million subscribers. HBO Max, as of right now, twelve million. Like twelve million is no small number to sneeze at, but like for a streaming service, what AT and T is hoping that this monthly reoccurring revenue can do for them and their shareholders, it's not doing it. So using these films that, of course, you want to be released. You want people to be able to go see them. You want to make money off of them. But using them as a tool to just grow HBO Max just feels a little cheap, especially when you own both companies. Clearly, you just have your own selfish interests at heart. And that's really what it feels like. It feels like a business move for at t trying to grow HBO Max. Monthly recurring revenue is the greatest way to make stockholders money, to get yourself out, out of debt. AT&T, want, AT&T wants to do that. HBO Max is a way for them to do that, and it's not doing great, so a great way to help it do better is to release all your films at HBO Max at no additional cost. It just feels like a move from Wall Street, again, a business move from AT&T, and that, with all the other ways of how it was handled, makes it even worse. Maybe if it was like, we're going to release them on video on demand for $30 or however much, it would feel a lot different. The way it was handled and exactly what's happening just feels very, very selfish. But the fact that Warner is including theaters and not totally abandoning them does say something about Warner Brothers. They do care about theaters. In some way, it's great to theaters because they rely on these films being released. They rely on new content being released. And it's finally going to be able to be released from a huge studio. 17 films that span the entire year... That's a lot of opportunities for people to go back to the movies. What hurts is that the first month when people usually go, they can just stay in their homes.
1: It's a big mess. So, I don't know.
0: I don't know what's going to happen after the pandemic. But I hope that it's handled in a more collaborative effort between studios and creators just for the success of an art form that I love, that those of you listening to this podcast love. And we're almost 40 minutes in here. It's a huge deal. Going into a building, sitting down in a dark room with my popcorn and my family and some strangers, all there to experience something that we mutually care about is an experience that I've yet to replicate in any other way. I crave that. I look forward to it. Can't wait to keep going to the theater, and I want that experience to survive. But this conversation goes way beyond just home viewing versus theater. I don't think there's anything wrong with viewing a film at home, especially if you don't feel safe going out, or if you just can't. I think the opportunity to view films at home is a good thing. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the opportunity it provides. But in my own desires to have these films financially succeed, I think that the way it's happening just isn't right especially with the way that these individuals weren't involved. But that's now about that topic. It's making me kind of sad, and it's been 40 minutes, and we're talking about the same thing. Let's move on to something else, which can also take a long time, but it's getting very late, so i got to hurry. And that's the Disney's investors meeting, which, speaking of monthly recurring revenue, we could really just call it Disney's plan to continually get everyone to sign up for Disney Plus so we can always have an income of money because we're going to own this streaming (laughs) war. And as shareholders, we're going to make you a bunch of money. It was focused, I mean, it's the second ever investors' meeting and it's focused on the direct to consumer market, which is Disney Plus, especially in the eyes of the pandemic. It was a meeting for the shareholders to give them confidence as investors about, hey, this is a way that we're going to ensure that you're satisfied as a shareholder. This is why your investment is going to be worth it financially. Here's our plan about how we're going to make your investment worthwhile financially. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, because you're a shareholder of a Disney, here's all this great content to enjoy. No, it's like this content is part of a business strategy and that's how it's going to make you money. So it's really interesting to watch, um, very business focused. The, The amount of times that the word franchises and series and IP were used was kind of sad. Their plan really is to just juice out every bit of nostalgia and, and care you have for series and franchises and, and IPs. They're just going to squeeze everything out of it. And it feels like originality is kind of dying. Just as a side statement, totally unrelated to this, original films never do as well as the box office. That's, that's the world we're in. I love my franchises. I love Star Wars. I'm Marvel Studios. Dune is a big franchise that I'm excited about. Pixar, you know these names that we trust. I don't have a problem with them. I love them, but I just hope it's not at the cost of great opportunities for originality. But (laughs) that was not in the notes. Let's move on. A huge focus, because the focus of the Disney's investors meeting was on direct-to-consumer. The biggest focus was on Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus and and subscriber numbers and, and income and and subscriber goals and. The part that I'm going to talk about, because I'm not a Wall Street businessman, is the content and the release schedule. I'm going to go through very quickly because this has been a long time. But let's first talk about Star Wars and what's going to happen with Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. John Favreau, Dave Filoni have been doing a wonderful job with Mandalorian. Well, they're also going to be able to work on two other series happening at the same time as The Mandalorian. The Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka. The Rangers of the New Republic is what it sounds like. Like I've been talking about in the Mandalorian podcast. It's the time in the Star Wars universe that's very great where the New Republic is having to... to... What's the word I'm searching for? Is having to... control? That's not the right word. Moderate. (laughs) Maybe. We'll just say that. They're having to moderate the changes in the galaxy. Cara Dune is a character... um, I forget his name. The guy, he's a pilot. Yeah, I should have it written down, but he showed up in the season two. It's going to be a story about them from what it sounds like. Of course, we get the story of Ahsoka, which I'm pumped about. And both it says both during the time of the Mandalorian and they're going to culminate in a climactic story event. Whatever that means, that's pretty exciting. Mandalorian season three is going to premiere Christmas of 2021. Other things happening for Star Wars and or, which is coming 2022, is a spy thriller, which is being... I think written by Tony Gilroy, who's part of the Born Identity. It has an amazing cast. The production began in London about two weeks ago, and they are really putting for all these series. Let me say they're putting cinema worthy work into these series, and it's pretty amazing. And there's something that pretty sweet that Di- Diego Luna said while appearing as a guest on Jimmy Kimmel Live, who plays Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Um, he confirmed production. Let me see here. He, he, this is what he said. It's basically everything you have to... Well, whoa, let me try this again. It's basically everything you have to know to understand Rogue One. The story of the character before. I can spoil the ending, I guess. It's nice to go into a story you already know the ending. Now you can take the nuance and the layers. I think it's fun to do something that isn't just about getting to the end. It's about delaying that. You know, We know what happens in Rogue One. So it's exciting to get this spy thriller series beforehand. I'm pretty excited about it. Other things, we get an Obi-Wan Kenobi ana- more announcements about. We already know what this happening. It's a special event series. It's going to happen 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. Ewan McGregor, of course, is coming back as Obi-Wan. And Hayden Christensen is going to be Vader, which is super exciting. Deborah Cho, or Chow, I think that's her same name, who helped with *The Mandalorian Season 1. She's the series head. And production begins March. Uh, another great series, The Bad Batch, and animated series. That trailer was awesome. Um, but it's going to happen during the rapidly changing galaxy as it rises into the new empire, You know, continuing off the success of the Clone Wars animated series. We also have an animated short films called Star Wars Visions, which is going to be an anime anthology collection just celebrating the universe of Star Wars. And it's going to be have very talented animated artists and creatives just to celebrate Star Wars. I'm really excited about that one. There's no date or announcement of that. We have Lando series, which is an event series, which is being written by Justin Simeon. There's another series announced called The Acolyte, which is a mystery thriller. Um, It's during the final days of the High Republic, and Leslie Hemland is writing that. And then lastly, a great series um, that's going to be a combination of animation and visual effects and how um, Lucasfilm, ILM, and... Lucasfilm animation are going to work together for a droid story, which is a new hero being introduced by our great friends 3PO and R2D2. You know, what could go wrong? Other things in the non Star Wars part of Lucasfilms, well, there is going to be a. I couldn't tell if it was a series or a film, in all honesty. A Willow, which is a mythological world also created by George Lucas. Um, there's a movie apparently by Ron Howard, and this series or whatever's going on is decades after that. Um, John Chu from Crazy Rich Asians is going to direct the pilot. Oh, duh. It's in my nose right there. It's a series. Um, production starts March of next year in Wales and it's going to premiere 2022. We're going to get the final Indiana Jones film, James Mangold, who directed Ford v. Ferrari and Logan. It's currently in pre-production. Harrison Ford is going to be back. Shooting starts spring of 2021. It's going to be released July of 2022. Then a new... Um, I can tell if it was a series or a movie. I don't know. It's called Children of the Blood and Bone. It's based um, off the New York Times bestselling book series, which is pretty cool. Then they also announced some Star Wars theatrical things. Taika Waititi has his new Star Wars film that was coming out. And then we also got the announcement of Rogue Squadron with Patty Jenkins directing. And it's going to be about Starfighter pilots. And it's going to move us into the future area of the galaxy coming to theaters Christmas of 2023, which is not, man, that's so far away. I'm sure it will come quick. Okay, so that's all the things for Lucasfilms. We also got a lot of announcements about Disney Plus originals. There was so many, a lot of them, if I'm being honest, I really don't care about <laughs> these were just some of them that this was during the segment of television, and it was they, they weren't totally clear, and there were a lot of things that we weren't able to see as part of the the, the recap video that I was watching. Um so it's hard to tell when things were a series and when things were a movie. This was during the presentation of Disney's television studios. So it could be a TV movie, you know, like High School Musical, if you need an example. So example, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers coming 2021, which is kind of like a reboot of The Mighty Ducks. Beauty and the Beast prequel series with Josh Gad and Luke Evans coming back as, I forget their characters' names. Um, and Alan Menken is great in music, which is awesome. There's a Swiss Family Robinson reboot with Ron Moore and John Chu, again, from Crazy vs. There's also going to be a Percy Jackson and the Olympians series. I hope that they're going to do it right now because those original films were horrible and those books are beloved. They're also going to get a series, The Mysterious Benedict Society, which is a young adult book series. I don't know why I write that one down. I don't care about that one. On to Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. So this is the non, this is the motion picture. The last things I was talking about was the television. This is motion pictures. Um, Again, you know, a statement focusing on iconic characters and treasure troves that sprang from creativity. So franchise IP. Original movies, again, don't do good at the box office. So they're really focusing on what we love. And a lot of these are Disney Plus originals. Hocus Pocus 2, Disney Plus original. Three Men a Baby, which is a remake based off the 80s comedy with Zac Efron. That's coming in 2022. There's lots of like three sports biopics that are coming for Disney Plus. Flora and Ulysses, for coming February 2021, Cheaper by the Dozen, 2022, Diary of a Boy McKinn, Kid Animated. Um, there's going to be an Ice Age spinoff, the, the Adventures of Buck Wild with Crash and Eddie and Buck and Simon Pegg's returning as Buck. There's going to be another Night at the Museum film. It's going to be animated. Sean Levy, who's the directors of the first three films, is coming back as a producer. Then they moved on to event titles, which are the films probably being released in theaters. But they're the, the bigger films that you hear about. Like Jungle Cruise, which is kind of like the new Pirates of the Caribbean, I imagine it's going to be. It's got Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. That's coming July 2021. That was a film that was going to come out actually summer of this year. Now it's coming out next year. They're working on a Lion King prequel with Barry Jenkins, who directed Moonlight, is directing the Lion King prequel. There's a Little Mermaid remake with Rob Johnson directing. Um, Aquafina, Javier Bardem, music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Or Mirandum. There's a Pinocchio film, a live action, made by Robert Zemeckis with Tom Hanks. Oh, that's a Disney Plus original. Uh, there's Peter Pan and Wendy, which is coming to Disney Plus. Jude Law is going to be Captain Hook in that. That's super exciting. They're getting a second Enchanted film called Disenchanted with Amy Adams exclusively on Disney Plus. We're going to get Cruella with Emma Stone and Emma Thompson during the 1970 punk rock London, and Craig. Gillespie is the director. I'm sad that I didn't get to see the sizzle for that. I'm actually genuinely excited about that. Sounds like that's going to be a theater release. Then they moved on to Walt Disney Animation Studios. We got an exciting look at Raya and the Last Dragon with Kelly Marie Tran. Again, with Aquafina. it looks great. It's their 59th animated feature film. It is going to be released in theaters March 5th of 2021, while also having premiere access on Disney+. Plus. So again, just in case you didn't hear me. Raya and the Last Dragon release March 5th of 2021 in theaters and same day and date on Disney Plus with Premiere Access which is what they did with Mulan. Big Hero 6 is getting its own series, Baymax the Series which is the first Disney animated series. Um, Don Hall which directed Big Hero 6 is the director. It's coming to Disney Plus early 2022. There's a Zootopia short form story. It's called Zootopia Plus. What a stupid name. It's coming to Disney Plus spring of 2022. We got a There's going to be an animated series about Tiana from Princess and the Frog. That's coming 2023. Moana series is coming 2023. Um, Then there's a super sweet like sci-fi African film called, I'm going to mispronounce this, Waju, which is between this really neat African animation and comic studio called Kujali or something like that that is now going to work with Disney on that. That's coming to Disney Plus on 2022, a sci-fi series in Africa. I'm pumped on that. And then Encanto is their 60th feature film. It's about a Colombian family in kind of a magical land. Um, Brian Howard, Charles Castros, or that's not her name. I miswrote a name. Somebody and Jared Bush are directing. And then uh Min Manuel Lynn Manuel Miranda is doing the music, which is sweet. After that, we got some announcements. So Key takeaways here, I'll, I'll do at the end because there's a lot. We got a Pixar Animation Studios that moved on to them. Um, there's, they talked about Soul, which is being released on Disney Plus at Christmas. Uh, Pips, Pixar Popcorn, which is short stories happening on January in Disney Plus. Um, a series called Doug Days, which is coming fall of 2021, which is about Doug from Up. There's going to be a car series coming fall of 2022 about Lightning and Mater taking a road trip across the country. There's going to be a series called Win or Lose, which is the first ever long-form animated series for Pixar. 20-minute um, episodes, about the same week of a co-ed softball team leading up to their game, and from the different perspective, which I'm actually really excited about that. Fall 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Then they moved into Pixar feature films. Um, there's a, a feature film, Luca, that's coming out in theaters June 2021, based in Italy. Turning Red, from the director of the Pixar short, Bow, which is coming spring of 2022. There's a Lightyear, which is like a Toy Story prequel, which is... I don't know. I guess they're just like throwing out the Buzz Lightyear Star Command series, which was my jam as a kid. Man, I wish I could find that on something besides VHS. I ran that VHS till it died. Anyway, this is a prequel to Toy Story, but it's not a Toy Story film. It is an animated sci-fi adventure film with Angus McLean as the director, which is going to be the origin of Buzz Lightyear that the toy was based off of. Chris Evans is coming back as Buzz Lightyear. Then we moved on to Marvel Studios. And as soon as the music started to play, it brought back an excitement that I haven't felt for a long time. I realized that MCU and my love for them hasn't died, but the relevance of them really... Is successful by how consistently relevant they are by releasing their films. That's a conversation for another day because it's getting very late. But we got some exciting looks: a new trailer for WandaVision, which is coming January fifteenth on Disney Plus, which is going to directly connect to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with Sam Raimi directing that. It's currently filming theaters. It's coming to theaters March twenty fifth of twenty twenty two. It's going to connect directly to WandaVision and directly to the directly connect to the new Spider Man film coming December of twenty twenty one. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is coming March 21st on Disney+. Um, and Kevin Feige described it as a Marvel Studios movie played out over six episodes, and that trailer was sweet. Um, the confirmation that Black Widow is coming to the big screen in theaters May 7th, 2021. Loki, we got a first trailer for that, which looks amazing. Tom Hiddleston is, in Tom Hiddleston is the best. It's going to be a crime thriller. Owen Wilson is in it. That's coming May 2021. Wow, that's actually super soon on Disney+. Plus. The What If, which is the first MCU animated film, it's just reimagined events. What If? Yondu is back. The Watcher is sweet. I there was an announcement when that's happening. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings just finished productions in Australia. That's coming July of 2021. Miss Marvel, which is a Disney Plus series, coming later in 2021, which will directly connect to Captain Marvel 2. Eternals is coming November 21st. The Hawkeye Disney Plus series is coming coming late of 2021. And we got a confirmation besides the leaked set photos that Haley steinfeld is in fact kate bishop oh that was an exciting announcement we got a little talk about she hulk which is going to be the story of a woman trying to navigate the world as a working professional um tim roth as abomination is coming back and mark ruffalo as hulk is going to be in the series moon knight which is going to be an advanced action adventure indiana jones ish series um Mohamed Diab is the director. It's a Disney Plus series coming. Secret Invasion is a Disney Plus series coming with Ben Mendelsohn and Samuel L. Jackson. That's super exciting. I love the Secret Invasion comics. That's going to be sweet. There's an Ironheart series with Riri Williams. Um, that's super fun. We got an Armor Wars series, which is kind of the idea where what happens if Tony Stark's tech gets into the wrong hands. Don Cheadle coming back as War Machine. There's going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which James Gunn is writing and directing. It's going to be shot during Volume 3. It's going to be released the holiday before Volume 3 is released. There's a Disney Plus shorts titled I Am Groot, and then Thor Love and Thunder just started filming, or it's going to start filming in January, and we got a confirmation that Christopher Bell is playing Gore the God Butcher, and that's going to be in theaters May of 2022. They mentioned Blade, how that's happening. It's going well with Mahershala Ali, Ant-Man and the Wasp. As it's, the third film has its name, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, Mania. Catherine Newton is being cast as Cassie Long, and Jonathan Major is King the Conqueror, which is really, really interesting. Black Panther 2, we got a confirmation that Chadwick Boseman's character, T'Challa, is not going to be recast, recast which is great. And that will be in theaters July 8th of, I think it says 2020, but that can't be true. <laughs> I think that's 2022. Ryan Coogler is writing and directing that. And then we got an announcement about Fantastic Four that John Watts, who's been directing the Spider-Man films, is going to direct that. Then, just to tie it all off with Disney Plus, Bob Iger came on to talk about how they plan to release hundred plus title, new titles every year on Disney Plus. That's a ton. So that was a super quick recap of the Disney Plus or the Disney Plus, the Disney investors meeting. So what are some key takeaways? Super exciting Disney series coming to Disney+. Plus. That seems like it's really the future of Star Wars, at least that they focus on for the time being. And those are the things that are going to be released way more frequently and sooner than any film. Disney+, Plus Star Wars series. There's some pretty exciting things happening as well. You know, James Mangold's going to direct the final Indiana Jones films. He's going to do great for that. Petty Jenkins is going to direct Road Squadron. That's sweet. We're going to get some Disney cashing in on your nostalgia, remaking things and adapting books that you love. Exciting things happening with Disney releasing some films for Disney Plus. In addition to Jungle Cruise being released next year, The Little Mermaid re- remake, um, Cruella, which is super exciting, and then their animation studios throughout Disney, Ryan the Last Dragon, of course, again being released March fifth of twenty twenty one, in theaters and on Disney Plus with premiere access. Um, other exciting things there. Pixar, they announced their new film, Luca, which will be in theaters of June in 2021. And the Lightyear film, which is going to come summer of 2022. Then, of course, Mar- uh, Marvel Studios, we got a Water Vision announcement. Then, of course, Falcon and Winter Soldier coming very soon. Loki coming very soon. Eternals coming November. Spider-Man coming December. Black Widow coming May. So there's a lot of things that are going to be happening very, very soon with the MCU, and Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series, which is currently filming. So after all of that, is there anything else that we could possibly talk about? And yes, there is, because there are things happening out there that aren't a part of Warner Brothers or Disney. Thank goodness for that. My voice is very tired. Let me get a drink. (sighs) Okay, so this is what else there is to talk about. First, now that we're an hour and in, let's talk about the basement Binge. The podcast that you're listening to, if you didn't know. This is something that is going to be part of the normal format. Hopefully there's not this craziness happening all the time. But the format used to be looking back and we'd look at the previous month and what happened and looking forward. What's some things that were announced that are going to be happening in the future or what things are going to be released? Well, let's focus on the basement binge. So here at the podcast, during the path of past month of november we reached our 50th episode which was spirit away which i'm still working on the 50th episode celebration i promise it's coming it's been very busy but 50th episode that's a huge deal and then we reached our 51st episode how's moving castle and of course 52nd valerian and the city of a thousand planets that was one of the funnest episodes i've ever had if you have not listened to that whether you know the film or not just spoiler the film's not the best it's fun but it's not amazing. But having the conversation with Matt made that film so much better because it was just a blast to record. Great episode. And you'll also figure out why the 50th episode celebration, which is ranking my Blu-rays, is taking so long. More on that in a moment. We also released the Mando Minis. Started the first ever TV series breakdown on the basement binge. That's kind of what kept me alive as far as content goes during annual enrollment period, which is you know, with Medicare and how I work. Very, very busy. Again, I appreciate your patience there. But we've got through the entire season of Mandalorian. We just have the season finale left. That's crazy. So, just the season finale, which is going to be coming. And now, I look at those episodes nowhere near as much as I would have hoped for the month of November, but I'm grateful that I just made through. We survived during the busiest work period of my entire life, working way too much overtime, and I'm ready to tunk. Tongue- to crank out tons of episodes. So let's talk about what is coming. First, I want to have a chance to address the survey, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. It was forever ago that I asked you guys to take a survey to let me know how I should continue the podcast. Way back, I think in like September, when the podcast changed from being three hosts to just me. I did not ignore those responses. There just hasn't been time. I've just been kind of been like coast, just surviving through the busyness and the adjustment just taking it as it goes. But now we've got some plan, we got some organization, some more free time we can move forward. So, to acknowledge what you guys, I asked you to vote on what you wanted to see moving forward from the podcast. It was a three-way tie between hidden gems, my sci-fi favorites, which is my favorite genre, and my personal top 10. Those are all happening. I will say my personal top 10 have already been reviewed except for like one or two of them. I didn't want to redo that so soon. So, when I get to the Blu-ray ranking, which is coming, Very, very soon, sooner than you may think. I'll throw in my personal top ten, just what they are, as well. So, when is the Blu-ray rankin happening? Well, it's actually happening next week. (laughs) This week, you're getting this episode that you're listening to, the update, and then you're going to get the final season finale, Mandalorian mini. I'm also going to be appearing on Matt goes to the movies again with Matt and Rob for their season finale of what he calls mandalorian or mondays with mando or mandalorian mondays mandalorian mondays so only two episodes this week the update and the mando season finale but that's because i'm finishing my blu-ray ranking if you haven't listened to the valerian episode which you should do because it's a blast matt helped me make a decision that one of the things i want to do was to rank all my blu-rays both subjectively and objectively and kind of understand the difference because there was a film that i just loved that objectively, filmmaking-wise, is not the best film, but it was so much much higher on the list, and I just couldn't understand it, but it's because of the experience I had with it, which is an interesting conversation that I'm very excited to have. So after this week of just two episodes, what's happening? Next week, first episode you're going to get is Monster Hunter, which is coming out in theaters. It's a game that my brother and I love. We're going to go see it in theaters together. I'm very excited about that. Then my Blu-ray ranking collection, which is the 50th episode celebration that has been a little late because of how busy I am, But it has been a ton of work and it's going to be very exciting and very, very rewarding. There's going to be a Christmas movie released, which isn't actually a Christmas movie, but just a movie I think that fits the Christmas season perfectly. I'm so excited about that. That's going to be released on Christmas Day. Then, of course, a review of Soul, which is coming out the new Pixar film. Then the final week of December, you'll get a Wonder Woman 1984 review. And then the first ever hidden gem basement binge review. I don't know if I want to, I won't reveal it yet. But so the first, the last episode of the year is going to be a hidden gem. It's a film that I love that I've been dying to talk about on the podcast. It's going to be in fun new format. I'm looking forward to that a ton. Then after that, it's 2021. And the things that are coming for 2021, you're just going to have to subscribe and wait for the next monthly update because you'll get them then. Super exciting. But I want your help with these episodes, okay? So now that you have the announcement, when this episode goes up, as you're listening to it, excuse me, as you're listening to it, If you go on my Facebook or Instagram page for The Basement Binge, there's going to be posts that will have the monthly update cover art. It's also going to have a poster for all the things that I'm going to be reviewing. I want your help with binge points. I want you guys to be involved. So what you can do, if you have any of the films, you have a binge point, you can comment on both Facebook and Instagram or send me an email at Harrison at TheBasementBinge.com. That's H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N at TheBasementBinge.com. Let me know what it's for. Comment. Let me know which one is for, and then of course, over the next month, as I get to those films, I'll be able to include your binge points. I'd love, 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 love to be able to do that. So, before we move on and kind of finish up this episode, I have one last exciting announcement that I have been dying to get out about here at the Basement Binge. Way back, forever ago, I think it was last year. No, it was this year. It was. Doesn't matter. We reached 1,000 downloads. It was a huge milestone. It was like the first milestone that we were working towards here at The Basin Bench. And I wanted to give back to you guys. We did. It was me, Kelton, and Kate. All three of us did. And because there were three of us, it was financially possible for us to give away three Blu-rays, which was so much fun. That was a great response. And I loved being able to do that. But of course, now that there's just one of me, especially this year, financially, it doesn't really make sense for me to constantly give things away. But I love being able to give back to you guys as my listeners. I want you guys, in addition, hopefully you're being rewarded by the content, but I want to be able to give back if you're willing to help me. So this is what's going to happen. I found out a way that I can make it possible that is not as much as I'd like to do, but is a reasonable and healthy amount, as for right now in my current situation. And that's called a screen pass from Movies Anywhere. So if you don't know, Movies Anywhere, is a great service that helps you if you own movies digitally. Vudu, Fandango now, Amazon Prime, Apple TV. I think they even have uh, Xfinity on there now. If you own those films and it's an eligible Movies Anywhere film, it will sync across all those platforms. And so, you know, if you log it in Vudu, it will sync through your Movies Anywhere and appear on your Amazon Prime. And you can log into Movies Anywhere and watch them on there. It's great. Well, they have a feature. It's called Screen Pass. If it's an eligible movie that you own, you can that you have three of them a month that you can share and that person can watch the film at no cost. So every month, I have the option to give away three films that you can watch digitally. Three giveaways. Every month. So from not now, but the very next monthly update which is coming very soon, there are three Movies Anywhere screen passes that I'm going to give away. And this is how you can earn it. The first one is a point system. If you leave a review specifically on Pod Chaser, you get one point. So... Between the upload of this monthly update and before the upload of the next one, you can leave as many reviews as you want. You can review every single episode, not just the episodes that are released in that time period. Any episode. You can review the podcast. That's what's great about Podchasers. You can review the podcast as a whole and individual episodes. So any review on any episode that is left between the day this episode is recorded and the day I record the next monthly update, every review is worth one point. If you share it on social media and you tag me so I can see it, of course, social media linked in the description. That is worth two points. Two points for a share on social media where you tag me and I can see it, and one point for every view on Podchaser. Of course, between the two dates of the recording, the person with the most points, they get the first screen pass. The second screen pass is the person who submits the most binge points. Like I mentioned earlier, every month when I release a month, I'm going to tell you what episodes are coming and you'll be able to see and you can release binge points. The person who just releases, shares and contributes the most binge points, they get the second screen pass. The third screen pass is someone that I'm just going to randomly pick. They get the third one. I'm very, very excited about that. So as a super quick thing is if the episode is not long enough and you haven't listened to me read off random things. Of course, listen in the show notes. These are all my screen pass eligible movies. I don't determine this. Movies Anywhere does. It does require that you have a Movies Anywhere account, but that's free. You just sign in and you can watch these films. So here's all the films. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Isle of Dogs, Crazy Rich Asians, Julie and Julia, Les Mis, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., Oblivion, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Independence Day, Independence Day Resurgence, Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim Uprising, Dunkirk, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, Elf, Blade Runner 2049, Spirit, Mega Mind, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes, Murder on the Orient Express, The Karate Kid, Live Die Repeat slash Edge of Tomorrow, whatever you want to call that film, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Little Mermaid Mermaid 2, that's random, The Lego Movie 2, The Lego Batman Movie, Enchanted, Inception, Assassin's Creed, Aquaman, Justice League, Mad Max, Fear Road, Ready Player One, and The Lego Batman Movie. Again, it does require free movies anywhere. I mentioned the Lago Batman movie twice, but free movies anywhere account. Leave reviews on Podchaser. If you will help me out by leaving reviews, submitting many bench points sharing on social media, you have a chance watch some free movies. I wish I could do more because I love giving back to you guys, especially if you're willing to help me. And if you will, you'll have a free screen pass available every month. I'm, I'm way excited about that. And I hope you guys react as much as I'm hoping you will. So I hope you listen to this. You listen to an hour. Maybe I should. Anyway, think it out loud. So that's what you expect from me here at the Basement Binge. Let's move on to some last announcement, announcements that aren't from the Basement Binge or HBO Max or Warner Brothers or Disney Plus or anything like that. Let's quickly look back what's happened. Some things that I want to draw attention to. Huge Key Brian, which has sad, is an actor who sadly passed away. He was a Mad Max actor. He was Toe Cutter in the original and um, Morton Joe in Fury Road. Great actor, sad for his loss. Some less morbid things, some great releases. Again, this is not everything, but just things that I had my eye on, which was very small because of how busy it was. The Lego Star Wars Holiday Special on Disney+, Plus, which was a ton of fun. The Marvel 616 documentary on Disney+. Plus, That's been really, really interesting. And then something that I thought was really neat, which has McBoseman passing away, sadly, is Disney Plus changed the Marvel Studios introduction for Black Panther to just celebrate Chadwick Boseman, and I really honor it. Similar to what they did with, with um, Stan Lee, and I think it was Captain Marvel. So, great honor there, which I thought was great. So, now let's look forward. What's going on? We got a Chaos Walking trailer, which was amazing. Doug Lyman is one of my favorite directors, and I'm very, very excited for that. That's in theaters January 22nd. We got a trailer for Monster Hunter, which is coming out on the 18th. Like I mentioned, I'm going to see that. There's going to be a review there for that. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 is being released on Christmas Day in theaters and on HBO Max at no additional cost. Um, We also got a super exciting announcement that George Miller is making his new film, 3,000 Years of Longing, after like two years of being announced forever ago. Um, It's his new film with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. He described it, George did, as an anti-Mad Max. His producer, Doug Mitchell, is back and... Some of his team from Fury Road is back. The director of photography, John Seal, is coming out of retirement again to um, Cinemagraph. Pumped about that. Margaret Sixel is the editor from Mad Max Fury Road. She's back. Leslie VanderWalt, the hair and makeup dresser. Leslie Thompson, the set director. Junkie XL, the composer. And Gar, Guy Norris from the stunts. It's a great team. Those not from Fury Road that have worked have significant work is Roger Ford, the Oscar-nominated production designer. Um, Kim Barrett, the costume designer from The Matrix, and Paul Buttersworth, the VFX supervisor of Captain Marvel and The Avengers. So very, very talented people. That's a film that I'm very excited to follow more. We also got a sweet trailer for the next season of Cobra Kai coming in January on Netflix. And we got Emily Blunt to promote her new film, Wild Mountain Time, or Time, however you say that, where she was talking about Edge of Tomorrow and how the sequel for that the script is very, very promising. So that wraps it up here. I'm very tired. I'm sure you are too. If you listen to this whole thing, thank you so much. Leave a review on Podchaser, even if it's one star. Leave a review. You've got one point. You can get a free screen pass, okay? Leave every episode you listen to or leave a review, okay? You'll get more points. And then share it on social media. I would appreciate it greatly. It helps out the show a ton. If you are new here and you listen to this whole thing and you are not subscribed yet, you're nuts. Click the subscribe button. Download all the episodes when they come out. There's like you heard a lot of exciting episodes and that's just for the remainder of the year once we get in 2021 the dogs are open the floodgates are down and a bunch of stuff is going to come. but that is all from me here at the basement binge this is your been your monthly update that has been very long and very delayed but i'm glad i waited because so many things happened i appreciate you sticking with me of course i appreciate your downloads and your support reviews, shares on social media. Now you can get points for it and hopefully earn some back. So please continue to support and help out the show. I appreciate it. Hopefully this was beneficial to you guys. Thank you for listening. That's all for now. ciao. ciao.
1: As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the US, Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts